You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Trevor, my show producer, is gone with it being Friday, but I'm not alone. The one and only Christian Clemente in the house. Welcome back to the studio, my friend. Glad to have you. Yeah, glad to be here. I mean absolutely beautiful friday i do i will say i kind of wish i was out on the golf course more than here but hey i'm always happy to talk about some auburn yeah sorry i'm not uh (laughs) sorry i'm not a golf course with beautiful sunshine and and green grass but beautiful day yet again two in a row in auburn this week that's that's a record for the last couple of weeks it's been some nasty weather it is supposed to rain this weekend so don't get your hopes up too much that's what i was gonna say (laughs) yeah literally supposed to rain this weekend maybe it won't be like severe thunderstorms and tornado warnings and stuff i will be gone i'll be heading to birmingham this weekend uh, for easter going to spend it with my family i don't get home enough so that's on the schedule for this weekend but uh, you said you're hanging around and just kind of chilling for the weekend right yeah i'll be here Um, i've got some friends that are still here so that'll be good um I mean, I'm originally from Montana, so that's kind of a trek back home just for one little weekend. It is Easter, but it's kind of a trek. Well, you don't want to drive to Montana for the weekend and come back? Oh, well, definitely not driving because it's a 30-hour drive, but I've, just a flight up there for a weekend is not quite Golly, worth Golly, that's so far away. Yeah, that's... um. That's tough. That's a lot of driving. That's just that's a lot of traveling if you fly anyway, but uh, well, I hope you have a good weekend here. We appreciate everybody tuning in here to the Friday edition of On the Line. The weekend is right here. Uh, it's been a crazy week, but a good week at that. Just stayed busy uh, with everything going on. But glad you have joined us here on the show on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world, we want to hear from you. Call in, talk to me and Christian during the show. Again, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I want to start the show with the news of the day from Auburn basketball that Johan Traore has officially signed with Auburn. Of course, he committed to Auburn. What was that, about a week or two ago now? I can't really keep my dates together. I think it's been like two weeks or so now. Right. Um, somewhere in there. Yeah, so he has been committed for at least a week, maybe two. But of course, as you all know, with coll- or with high school athletes, college athletes, you know whether they're recruits or transfer portal, until they sign the paper, it's not official until that is done. And so... We've seen multiple times where athletes commit to a school, commit to a coach, and then decide to change their minds and go somewhere else or open their recruitment back up, whatever the case may be. So Johan Traore has been committed to Auburn for a little bit now, not like an unusual amount of time, uh, but he officially signed the paper. So he will be coming to Auburn, playing under Bruce Pearl, and I think it's a huge pickup for Auburn. We've talked about it a little bit on the show, but now that it is officially official, Auburn has a, a fantastic guy to look forward to next season. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he's the second highest rated um, signee now in Auburn history. Um, so 
the highest rated signee and Jabari Smith leaves and Bruce brings in the next best thing and Yoan Traore. Um, he's, I should emphasize he's not Jabari. They're not quite the same player. I know people might just compare him because, oh, he's a power forward. No, he's really highly rated. Not the same player. You're getting almost a totally, eh, I don't know if I would say totally different, but he's he's a lot different. Jabari has a very unique play style, and that's why he's so talented and going to go number one, number two, maybe number three in the draft. But Yoan is also incredibly talented in a different way, can play the power forward, can play uh, kind of a stretch five at Auburn as well. Um, his position will probably depend on what happens with the transfer portal and a guy like Janai Broom or even Brandon Huntley Hatfield as well. Um, but wherever Auburn puts him, he'll probably start at power forward or center. Um, and he's very talented. Um, not a huge back to the basket guy necessarily, more of a face up guy, but he's also a very uh, talented defender, good rebounder, um, likes to get out in transition, which kind of fits Bruce's system a little bit. So I think he's a fantastic pickup for Auburn for next season. Well, you talk about people comparing Traore to Jabari Smith. I really do think they're, they're I don't want to say extremely different, but they're different. I mean, let's just be honest. They're different play styles, different builds in their body style and how just how they play the game of basketball. And, you know, Jabari, he is your, you know, give him the ball in the high post or on just inside the three-point arc on the wings and let him go one-on-one to shoot the basketball. He never really put the ball on the floor and was going to take it to the rack. He was just going to do a jab step and shoot it in your face. No, no, no matter how close you were, if you had two hands up and had double teamed him, he was going to shoot the ball anyway. And with Treore, from the film that I've seen, he can be more of the give him the ball and everybody else get out of the way, and he doesn't. you don't know what he's going to do. And I think he's going to be the perfect mixture of what Auburn used Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith for. Because obviously with Walker Kessler, and I know there's a little bit of difference there, but Walker Kessler was the guy standing by the rim who was seven foot one, and you had to throw the ball to him so he could dunk it or lay it in or something like that. It wasn't, you couldn't give Walker Kessler the basketball and him make a play for himself. That's not really what we saw a whole lot, I think. And same thing was Jabari, because he would never really put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack because he was such a good shooter. And so when you compared those and how Auburn used those guys compared to what Traore is going to be, I think he has a lot more skill set and a lot more damaging goods, I guess, for lack of a better term. He has more skills in his tool bag to hurt defenses and keep them guessing. And that's my initial thought watching him come to this Auburn team. Yeah, I think that's a really fair way of putting it. Um, and just kind of the biggest thing for me, too, you pointed it out. Um, I mean, Jabari Smith is just a freak shooter. Um, he's the best. I mean, Bruce calls them big guards. Uh, he's the best, like, power forward, small forward. For his size, he's the best shooter. Um, and Yoan is not going to be that, but he's also not going to be a bad shooter. But there's, like I said, there's just no comparing him to Jabari because Jabari is just an absolute freak shooter, um, uh, just absolutely deadly. Um, but Yoan is still going to be very good, and he will be kind of a mix of the two players. I think that's a really good way of putting it offensively. Another comparison I've thought about is Bancaro from Duke. I think he could be that type of player as well because when you think of Paolo Bancaro on this Duke team and what he's going to do in the NBA, it's not going to be a spot-up shooter. You give him the ball, and what do you do? You get out of the way, and you let him do his own thing, take it to the rack, get fouled, go to the free, or the free throw line, finish in contact, pass out different plays. That is my initial thought on what Troy Ore is going to be for Auburn. 
And I hope that's what he is because I think that works better. You saw where this team would fail at times, Auburn last year. It's when they had poor shooting nights. You saw Jabari go three for 15 how many times in ball games this year? And so I think that style of player, the Palo Bancaros, or what Traore could be and what I think he will be, I think that benefits Auburn a lot better than the system that Auburn used with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Not that that can't work, but this year it didn't. And you saw how teams were able to, they were how, how they could defend him. They would extend Walker Kessler out, take him completely out of the game plan, double-team Jabari, and then Auburn was, was screwed, basically. They didn't have anything else to do. So when Traore comes in, I like for him to be more of the center of the offense, whereas, you know, where you can say, okay, we have multiple options with this guy. We can have him bring the ball up the floor if we need to. We can give it to him on the low block, and he can make a move, pass it out, shoot over somebody. He can maybe shoot the ball. It's not going to be like Jabari, like you said, but I just think when you, when you envision him on the floor, he's not just a pure shooter, or he's not just a pure rebounder at seven foot one and alley-oop. I think he just has a lot of things that he can do on the floor. And with Bruce's system, and like you said, getting out in transition – I think he's going to be a fantastic player in this system. I really, really do. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I like the way you kind of said it. It's it's almost like he doesn't necessarily have any A plus tools, but he has a lot of like B plus, A minus tools. Exactly. And he has just a completely diverse skill set that he can do everything really well. And I mean, this is a really young player who just recently kind of exploded on the scene. I mean, he was he came over from France, um, started playing out in Arizona and really kind of blew up on the scene and blew up in recruiting rankings and stuff like that. So there's still a lot of development um, that can happen here with him. And, I mean, I'm really excited to see kind of how he just progresses over the course of next season um, and now that Auburn officially has him signed and that he'll be here. Um, there was never really any concern that he wasn't going to be. But, you know, like you said, there's just always a little bit. And with him specifically, he can't get NIL deals uh, as of now because he is from France. Really? What's I've, I haven't heard about that. What's the reason for that? It's the it's the international um, players that are here on like visas and stuff like that. Um, they're trying to work on it, um, not necessarily Auburn, but just the NCAA as a whole. Um, so guys like even Jeffrey Emba on the football team can't get NIL deals as well. Really? Interesting. I've, I've actually never heard of that. I didn't know that that was a thing. And I was ask, actually going to ask you about – you know, the growing uh, popularity, I guess, of, of international athletes coming to the United States to play in college and professional. Obviously, you see in the NBA, I mean, it's just been taken over by international superstars, which is awesome to see. But now you're seeing it in college, and Auburn's got two guys, like you said, Imba and now Traore, that are not from the United States. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I think they are trying to work on that NIL stuff, though. And, I mean, probably within the next six months to a year. Yeah. Be figured out. So by the time he's playing... Uh, this fall there's a good chance he could get nil deals i wonder what the ruling was it, it has to be something legal right there's got to be some legal ramifications there that they had that rule in place and it probably wasn't super they probably weren't too worried about it to when they created it but now the the uh you know the popularity of of international players and students coming over has grown so much yeah no exactly um i mean you got Traore, you got emba so it's definitely an issue that kind of all over the country those players are trying to work for it the NCA to their credit is working towards trying to fix it too that stuff's way over my head I just know that it's a thing that's kind of a issue that they're trying to work through well if the NCAA is working on it we should have a decision by uh, 2030 so <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding but that's interesting I've actually not heard of that that international players can't really get NIL stuff that's interesting I hope they do figure that out because I mean 
that's a big part of college athletics now. And I actually will talk about that a little later on. Uh, it may be a little bit an hour number two about just the NIL and the transfer portal as a, as a whole, because I want to get your opinion on that. But I hope they get that figured out, because if they don't, that's really going to I mean, that's going to render and hurt international students and players wanting to come over here and play at these big-time schools and in, in professional leagues. So I hope they do get that figured out. But for the time being, Johan Traore coming to Auburn. He officially signs with Auburn and Bruce Pearl, second-highest-rated recruit ever to come to Auburn. LSU fans are crying right now because <laughs> they lost him and so many other players. Um that I just don't know what's going to happen with that program. But this Auburn basketball team obviously fell short of the mark this year. They're losing Jabari and Walker Kessler. But I think they're just – I mean, Auburn is in a, in a spot now as a program where they are able to lose those guys but reload and restock and, and go at it again. And when you think about Traore, I really would like to see him – Maybe not at the very beginning just because he is so young, but as the season progresses, him become the focus of the offense. I think he can really take a lot of pressure off of the point guards and let them become better and the guards in general become better because he can be their escape route. Whereas at times, you know, when Jabari was getting double teamed or Walker was getting taken out of a, of, of a possession, the guards got stuck and they didn't know where to go, especially when they would come out or double team Wendell Green. He was stuck. KD Johnson would do his crazy thing and Zep was just not very aggressive. I think Traore can really open the game up for them as well. And I think the offense um, can really, really take a step forward next year. Defensively, I don't know a ton about him. I haven't seen a ton of his defensive film or skill sets. Um, so I, do you know anything about defense-wise for Traore and what the impact will be for him and on this Auburn team? Yeah, uh, he's a pretty talented defender. I think it's going to come down to the position that he actually plays um, because if you are putting him at the stretch five, you're obviously not going to – I mean, no one's going to give you Walker Kessler-like impact, um, but you, it'll be – a decent drop off there just because he's not necessarily undersized but he's just he doesn't make the same impact he's not seven (laughs) one but yeah but if you put him at power forward he'll be a plus defender there um and he'll be really good there center is where it gets a little more interesting but then they're also pursuing janai broom the moorhead state transfer to potentially play center and that would take a lot of pressure off uh yoan if they're able to get him so he's a plus defender not quite as big in the paint yet but got to keep stressing it he's a really young player still developing so exactly and I think more than ever it is a time for Auburn the basketball program to develop young players because they're going to start getting some of the best players out of high school and you know this is not a spot that Auburn was in five years ago let's just be honest but now Auburn is getting big time recruits some of the best in the entire country yes they're very good yes they're very skilled but they sometimes And this may sound crazy, but sometimes those guys need the most work and need the most help development-wise because they were so good in high school and AAU ball. Most of the time, they dominated wherever they were, and they're taking a big step up, and it's a big step. It's just like going from college to the NBA. It's the same thing. When you're so dominant in high school and you come into college, you need some extra help to take that next step because once you do, you're going to dominate that game as well. And so Auburn as a program is going to have to be able to develop players when they come in make them better when they leave than when they showed up and so 
I think they've done a pretty good job. I think they could do better. And I think we're going to see this year with the guards, especially if they get better in year two at Auburn, coming from obviously the transfer portal and then into Auburn, are they going to take that next step from year one at Auburn to year two at Auburn? Exciting times. I hope Auburn is able to do so. Uh, what's your guys' reaction to Traore officially signing on with Auburn? What's your expectations for Auburn basketball uh, on the recruiting trail and for next season? What's your excitement level? We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We'll talk a little bit of recruiting. We can pick it up on the other side of the break because I I'm, I'm, do want to talk to you about that as well. For basketball, Auburn picks up Traore and then Johnny Broom, that's his name, correct? Is that right? Uh, Janai. Janai, okay, sorry. Janai Broom, he from Moorhead State has been looking around. He's in the transfer portal, a guy that has unbelievable stats uh, from Moorhead State. He has been on campus here in Auburn. Is that correct? He uh, was? He'll be here this weekend. This yeah. weekend, okay. He got here today. Okay, great. Okay, good. So he will be at Auburn this weekend. What's the, what's the feel around that visit that you know of him coming to Auburn? Yeah, it feels like Auburn's kind of in the kind of in the driver's seat here. Um, Kentucky is another school to really watch out for, but I think the thing that could impact Kentucky um, in his recruitment is if Oscar Sheebway comes back. Um, I mean, I think Auburn's in a really good spot, and Auburn's trying to sell him on kind of replacing Walker Kessler because they do have a similar play style. I mean, he was third in the nation in blocks last year behind Walker um, and then the big man at Western Kentucky, I want to say. Um, so he's very good inside. Still trying to develop his outside game a little bit. He only shot five threes last year. He missed all of them. But <laughs> I think at Auburn, he would be given a little bit more of the green light, and he would practice it a little bit more. Um, really good interior presence. I mean, you're almost, you're honestly almost getting as close to Walker Kessler as you can get in terms of similar play style. Um, and if Auburn's able to get him, you get that really good uh, rim protector there on defense. Get a good option in the pick-and-roll game as well offensively. Um, so... I mean, I think he would be a really good pickup for Auburn uh, to start at center next year. Puts a little, honestly, probably puts a little bit less pressure on Yohan, um if you play him at power forward because I think that's where he fits just a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know that for certain, but that's just kind of my guess. Um, and then you kind of split minutes with Broom, Dylan Cardwell, um, and if Stretch is still here next year, he could potentially get some minutes as well. I really like the sound of that rotation, and you talk about – gaining that three-point shot for Broom if he does end up coming to Auburn. That's what Auburn sold to Walker Kessler was him to have a little bit more leniency in the offense, not just be the big guy under the basket, right? And so I think Auburn can do that, but that's where I go back to the development problem of Walker Kessler didn't really develop a three-point shot at all. That wasn't really the offense, and I don't think that was the way to go because you had a guy like Jabari and the guards who could shoot at times. Um but he would be better, Broom, I think he would be better at the center position than uh, Traore just because of Traore's build. He is just a little bit shorter than what Auburn would be losing at center. And so I would rather him be at the power forward because of the impact he can have at the four position. That's just a dominant position on the basketball floor versus the five where I feel like the center, they have their they've got their spot and that's just kind of where they live and that's where they can make their impact whereas the four can do whatever they want to do on the basketball floor 
We'll see how the visit goes this weekend for Broom here uh, on the Plains. He is in Auburn this weekend. I'm sure it'll go well. And uh, Auburn, what a great place to go and play basketball for Bruce Pearl. Hopefully it goes well. We'll see how it goes and how long it takes him to make a decision and if any other schools uh, become players in this situation. Let's take our first break of the Friday edition of On the Line right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. But I'm not alone. Christian Clemente in the house, and he just informed me that he is here for all two hours. Man, I'm excited. I'm not by myself today. It is fantastic to have somebody to bounce off of, somebody that knows more than I do when it comes to Auburn recruiting and and just Auburn in general, I'm sure. So just exciting to have him in the house for the Friday edition of On the Line. A few more minutes before we head to the 2.30 break. Uh, Phone lines are open for the next couple of minutes, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hang around because at 2.30, our good buddy Lance Dahl is going to call in and give us all the rundown on Kentucky Athletics. Of course, he is running the Locked On Kentucky podcast, so he will be talking about Kentucky football coming out of the spring, what to expect from the Wildcats on the football field, and uh, Kentucky basketball recruiting and what that's looking like as we get to the middle of April. So that'll be at the 2.30 mark, so just a few minutes we'll get him on the phones and talk to him about everything going on in Lexington. But Christian, you and I have been talking about Auburn basketball. Of course, uh, Yohan Traore has officially signed with Auburn. He will be coming as a four or a five. Not really sure. Just depends on the visit from Broom this weekend. How do you pronounce his first name again, just so I get it correct? Yeah, it's Janai. Janai. Okay, just want to make sure I get that. So Janai Broom from Moorhead State. He averaged what, like seventeen points, eleven boards, and, and how many blocks? I mean, he was. It was like three something. Blocks yeah, I mean too, that's yeah. just insane, man. That's so crazy. And I know it's Moorhead State, but you don't. Put up those stats just anywhere I mean, like Auburn played Moorhead State and I went and looked he put up decent stats in the first game um and that was the first game of the season so he wasn't fully fully into it yet I guess you could say um and he put up decent stats against Walker Kessler so right well I mean we've seen at times guys put up decent stats against Walker Kessler defensively but no matter the case he, the dude has good stats. He can play, and Auburn's not going to go after him if they don't think he's good. So he will be on campus this weekend. Uh, hopefully that visit goes well. I'm sure we'll have some t- sort of news about that starting next week. He, may, he probably won't make a decision. That'd be fantastic if he did. But um, just getting some feelers about how the visit goes while he's on campus this weekend. Auburn basketball they're in a good spot I know you lose Jabari Smith I know you lose Walker Kessler two of your I mean your first round NBA draft picks um you lose those guys your defensive player of the year and Walker Kessler one of the best shooters in college basketball Jabari Smith but I think Auburn is in a good spot because they've hit the recruiting trail they've hit the transfer portal pretty hard so far they've hit the recruiting trail really hard obviously with what's going on so and you've still got three guards that can be extremely good on the college level, right? Yeah, exactly. I still think the guards – I mean, honestly, the guards – I've been saying it since the season ended. The guards will go from being a focus of criticism at times. I think they'll be a strength of next year's team um, with the development that they'll get and just more time to mesh and everything. Um, I'm still a big believer in Alan Flanagan. I know 
some people are not quite as big of a believer. Um, I believe in him. I still think he can take um, a step up and kind of maybe not be that sophomore player he was, but be a lot better than he was last year. Um, and then you look at the transfer portal um, as well. Auburn's still kind of in search of finding a shooter. Um, Darren Green Jr. from UCF could be that guy. He shot like 38.5% from three last year. Um, he's 6'4", so he's a two, maybe an undersized three um, if Auburn were to bring him in. Um, and then you also have Brandon Huntley Hatfield as well, the transfer from Tennessee, um, who could play power forward or center. Um, Auburn's interested in him, but... I don't know exactly where he fits in because if you do get Broom, you kind of already have two centers and two power forwards. So I'm not entirely sure how he fits in, but I know Auburn is pursuing him um, and they're trying to get him in for a visit. So that's kind of another interesting case to follow um, along with Darren Green Jr. That's the one I wanted to ask you about was the Tennessee transfer, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, because uh, John Rothstein tweeted it out earlier today and I saw it. He is transferring from Tennessee and the following programs are giving him interest. SMU, Wake Forest, Louisville, uh, ASU, I assume Arizona State, and Auburn. I, had, I didn't even know he was transferring. Do you know, I mean, what do you know about him and what can you tell us about him? Yeah, so um, he did reclassify um, this past year. He was, I mean, he was like a top 20. I think he was number 14 in the rivals rankings. Then he reclassified and he was number 36. Um, so still a top 40 player, even after he reclassified. Um, really young guy because he did reclassify. So it took him a little bit of time to figure things out at Tennessee. Started to kind of find a groove a little bit towards the end of the season. Not a great shooter, but he didn't shoot the ball a whole lot either. Um, just a very athletic guy. He would probably play a stretch five if he came to Auburn. I think that's just where he projects more. I don't really think he's a four in Bruce's system because he's not much of a big guard um, in that sense. He's definitely he's just a very interesting player um, in terms of his skill set, um, the whole fact that he did reclassify and he's a younger guy um, and that he, just how he would fit in if he were to come to Auburn. But I personally think that hinges a little bit on what happens with Janai Broom um, and where Auburn goes from there because I know Auburn is – interested in broom also interested in Hatfield as well obviously but they know that they have to go out and get a lot just a sniper of a shooter they know they have to get someone um to try and fill that hole a little bit so who's that gonna be I mean do, do they know who who that guy is and do they have a backup what's the situation there we got about 30 seconds yeah I mean I think that could be Darren Green from UCF um Auburn's showing interest there and talking with him um he was a really really good shooter the past three seasons at UCF but Auburn's also, I mean, you have to play the portal patient. Things change every day. Auburn's roster is still in flux a little bit. So you just have to play the portal patient a little bit and kind of go from there. I think Auburn can do that. There's a lot of guys in it, and there's a lot of guys interested in Auburn. But with basketball, you all know there's very limited roster spots. So you have to pick your battles carefully. You've got to pick your players carefully. And you can't jump at it too quick because you never know who's going to hit the portal any given day. 30 minutes into hour number one of the Friday edition. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one, Christian Clemente has joined me in the house. He is sitting this segment out because we have a guest on the show, our good buddy Lance Dahl of Locked on Kentucky. Lance, happy Friday, man. 
Thanks so much for having me on, Jacob. And yeah, like you said, some really good weather right now. Probably going to be raining a little bit over the weekend, but it's just been uh, some phenomenal weather here so far in uh, Auburn, Alabama. Of course it's going to rain this weekend. They gave us two nice days. Now they got to give us two rainy, crappy days, right? That's how it goes <laughs> down here in Auburn. But we take the sunny weather when we can get it. Lance, I hope you're doing well. Uh, we're going to ask you about everything Kentucky and what's going on up there in Lexington. Are you ready, man? Yes, sir. Let's start with football that is wrapping up in the spring. Obviously, it's wrapping up right around now. Um, what is the storyline coming out of the spring practice for the Kentucky Wildcats on the football field? Well, I think the most important thing that we've seen out of Kentucky is making sure their offense does not take a step backwards after having a relatively impressive season last year. Will Levis, still the starting quarterback up there in Lexington. I think the most important thing for the Wildcats this spring was making sure that they can get the passing game crisp. They've got a new offensive coordinator, uh, was formerly an OC for the San Francisco 49ers, Rich Scangarello. He will be piloting this offense that's going to be very, very similar to what they had last season as far as schematics goes. I think uh, Kentucky's going to continue uh, to hound everybody with the ground game. Chris Rodriguez is back. They've got a couple other backs waiting in the wings as well. Juton McLean, Cavassier Smoke. Uh, they've got a really nice backfield. But I think the most important thing, Jacob, uh, for the Wildcats this spring was trying to figure out could they continue to make the passing game go and then also, they've got a really young receiving core this year. What are they going to be able to do with some of these new transfers? Tavion Robinson, a transfer from Virginia Tech. Could he be the Wandale Robinson replacement? We got to see him a little bit during the spring game. I thought he looked good. I thought Will Levis looked great, 7 of 8 passing. Of course, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's a spring game. And then at the same time, Kentucky secondary uh, is dealing with a lot of injuries right now. And they also are trying to rebuild uh, and reload uh, in, that, uh, in that part of their defense. So I don't necessarily think you can really get crazy about what happened during the spring game, about 300 yards passing uh, for the Kentucky offense. But overall, I think things are heading in the right direction. And I think the most important thing for Wildcat fans is just seeing what Will Levis looks like in year two. And I definitely think he's going to be able to make a jump. Talking to Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky, Look, you bring up a great point. It's spring ball, right? It's the spring game. I call it a pretty practice because that's what it is. I mean, it's there's just very limited play calling and ability to to express themselves in the spring game. Uh, obviously, you know Auburn is, has just been uh, destroyed by the injury bug, but you were talking about Kentucky having some injuries as well. But the offense, from what we've seen last year, is what is the strength of this Kentucky team. Are there any position battles right now in Lexington that people should know about that are, you know, that catch your eye? Well, I definitely think that, like I mentioned, the receiver room is definitely going to be a factor. Uh, if you're, if you want to take a look at some position battles, I mean, Dane Key, Isaiah Cummings are a couple of different guys that are going to be battling it out. I believe for the Z position, Tavion Robinson's going to be trying to earn his spot. Uh, they've got an Alabama transfer in Javon Baker, who's got a lot of speed. He's going to be fighting for a spot. And then also the tight end room. I believe Brendan Bates is going to be somebody that you're going to see there often, but they've also got a couple different guys waiting in the wings uh, that will probably be catching some passes uh, for the Wildcats this season. And then I think if you look on the offensive line, left tackle is something I'm really, really interested in. They've lost their, their uh, starter from last season, but they brought in a five-star, just absolute mammoth of a human being, Keonta Goodwin, who's listed at six foot eight, uh, And he's incredibly young. 
I don't know if he's going to be starting, but he's going to give whoever else is in that room a run for their money. And Kentucky, quite honestly, doesn't really know who that guy is. They're gonna, they've, uh, they've been shuffling some different guys around at left tackle. I really like Goodwin's chances to kind of take over that role. If it's not before the season starts, I would expect it to be sometime within the first few games, honestly. I think he's just too talented not to, uh, to get a chance to play. But, yeah, I think you've got competition outside of quarterback and running back. You've got it on the offensive line. You've got it in an incredibly young receiver room. And then also you've got it in a tight end position. So while the offense, I agree with you, I think is the strength of this team heading into 2022, they've got some depth chart things that they've got to figure out before uh, they kick it off this fall. Talking to Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky about Kentucky football. We've talked a lot of the offense. Let's flip to the other side. On the defensive side, what can we expect to see from the Kentucky defense on the football field? Are they going to be able to stop anybody? Well, I definitely think that they are, and I know that they lost a couple of really, really good players last season, especially on the defensive line. But look, they've got a really, really nice linebacking core still. Uh, Jacquez Jones, a grad transfer from Ole Miss, he's still here. DeAndre Square, another really talented linebacker that's also in his sixth year. And then also Jordan Wright, another graduate transfer who is still on this team. They've got a really experienced linebacking core. And then don't forget about J.J. Weaver, the sixth-fingered man. Yes, he does have six fingers. And I actually didn't know that until like the end of football season last year. Uh, just a fun fact for you guys. But, yeah, I think the, uh, I think the defense is going to be just fine. Now, the secondary – is a little bit of a question. They're going to have to get Carrington Valentine to kind of step things up from a consistency standpoint. Uh, Vito Tisdale's got to be able to step up. Tyrell Asian's got to be able to step up after losing a couple of pieces back there. I think they're going to be fine. And they also brought in a couple of interesting transfers. For instance, Darian Henry Young uh, is a former player at Ohio State. He transferred in. He's a sophomore, going to be working at defensive end. So they've got some pieces right? Especially in that linebacking core. I think it's one of the best in the SEC. I'm just curious to see, you know, what does this secondary look like? Because they weren't, they weren't phenomenal at generating a pass rush last season. And they're also one of the worst teams in the SEC in terms of creating turnovers. Uh, but yeah, that secondary concerns me a little bit. But if the pass rush can get home consistently, I think the defense will be just fine. Talking to Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky, just a more general question about football, then we'll go and talk about a little bit of basketball as well. I know we're coming out of the spring. I know it's early. We've still got over four months until the kickoff of the 2022 football season. But what are your expectations for this Kentucky football team as they play uh, in, the, uh, in the east of the SEC? I was talking a little bit about this recently on my podcast, and I've kind of been going back and forth on you know how high should the ceiling be for this Kentucky Wildcats team, or at least what should we project the ceiling to be? And I'm going to be honest with you, Jacob. I think this team can get back to 10 wins. Now, they've got a couple of difficult road contests. They've got to play at Florida early on. They've got to play at Ole Miss, at Tennessee. But they do get Georgia at home, uh, second-to-last game of the season. I'm curious to see what the Wildcats look like like, uh, in that contest because if their offense, is able to take a step forward after having a solid year last season. And Georgia, as we all know, uh, I don't know if they're going to be necessarily dealing with a little bit of a hangover, but they've definitely lost some kids to the transfer portal since that national title game. What do they look like uh, coming off of that title win? Curious to see what it looks like that late in the season. But I think this team can get to 10 wins again. Uh, Of course, 
I, I don't necessarily want to predict it and say lock it in. It's definitely going to happen. But I do think that there's 100% an opportunity for not only for Kentucky to repeat what they did last season, uh, but I'm not calling that uh, game against Georgia a surefire win for the Bulldogs. I think the, the Wildcats can definitely give them a run for their money and potentially challenge for the division. Lance, you definitely know your stuff about the situation in Lexington on the football team and what to expect. Let's see what you know about the basketball team. I know you know all about it, and I want to hear what you have to say. Kentucky basketball in the offseason, what's it looking like in the transfer portal and on the recruiting trail uh, for this Wildcats team so far? Well, right now they've been looking at a couple of different transfers, and as a matter of fact, they've been looking at a lot of different potential transfers uh, in the post. Johnny Broom transfer from Moorhead State. I know he's going to be taking a visit to Auburn here soon. Uh, Norchad O'Meara transfer from Arkansas State. Uh, who uh, was averaging about 19 points a game last season. Kenneth Lofton, uh, who is listed at like 6'7", 275 pounds. Just absolutely ridiculous what he did at Louisiana Tech. Very efficient around the rim. Uh, and then uh, they've got a couple other pieces as well. Terrence Shannon Jr., but from what I've heard, Kentucky might be out of that race there. And then Fardaw's AMAC, who is a transfer from Utah State, another post player, uh, I believe he cut Kentucky from his list recently. So they've missed out on a couple different pieces that they've been trying to recruit. But I do believe that they will pick up a, a couple of transfers here soon. Uh, they're also looking at, I believe, Antonio Reeves, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is a transfer that they're looking at right now uh, out of Illinois State, was averaging over 20 points a game. Uh, he's a guard. I think Kentucky right now, I think the two most important things that they need for next year's roster is someone to potentially replace Oscar Shibway, or I think they need to go out and get a shooter. Now, according to what we've been hearing recently, there's a good chance that Oscar Shibway might actually return to the Wildcats. I don't want to say anything definitive because I don't know a whole lot, but as the days go by, it seems more and more likely that Shibway is going to give it another go with the Wildcats. And if that's true, then I think you start to look at as somebody to replace Keon Brooks or Jacob Toppin at the four because both Toppin and Brooks Brooks declared for the NBA draft. They've got to be able, I think, to get a little bit of depth there because I believe at least one of those guys will will stay in the draft. Uh, would be surprised if both of them came back. But that's what it looks like on the trans, in the transfer portal. And as far as recruiting, there's one guy in particular that I'm really interested in right now, and his name is Leonard Miller. Uh, he is currently in Kentucky's top three. Or excuse me, Kentucky is currently in his top three along with the NBA G League and the Arizona Wildcats. Really, really interesting prospect there. Would probably slot in at small forward. I'd be excited to see what he could do potentially for the Wildcats. Uh, They currently need somebody to replace Kellen Grady, their best shooter on roster last season. He would be somebody I think could step into that role and play it well. So I think Kentucky is not doing, outside of Miller, I'm not seeing them doing a ton of, on the recruiting trail, but I will say they are getting after it in the transfer portal. They've contacted a ton of different dudes. I'm just curious to see who they land. Talking to Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky about uh, Kentucky basketball right now. I'm glad you brought up Oscar Shibway because you know I was going to ask. Um, You're hearing that there's a good chance he may come back. You don't know anything yet and nobody really does, but I want to ask you this. This may sound like a crazy question, but I think it's legitimate. Is it better or worse for Kentucky, given who they have coming in and the situation next year? Is it, is it better or worse that he comes back next year? 
I think that, well, let's look at the situation if he doesn't return. I think you're looking at Lance Ware potentially as the starting center, or you're looking at getting somebody out of the portal. That would be my preference uh, for the Wildcats to get somebody out of the portal because I don't necessarily trust Lance Ware in a starting role. He's efficient. He's, a, he's physical. I just don't think he's necessarily ready uh, to play that big of a role. So I would look for some uh, somebody to come out of the transfer portal for the Wildcats. Now, whether or not that would be better than Shebway is up for debate. I think Shebway is a very, very talented player, but I can definitely see some people out there trying to prefer uh, a transfer portal kid over Oscar Shebway. Um, but, but my personal preference is that Shebway does come back. I think it's more important for Kentucky to have him back at the five instead of trying to replace that, along with trying to bolster some of these other spots. So Kentucky right now has two guys coming in uh, out of, out of the, this 2022 recruiting cycle, and that's Kaysen Wallace, who's a combo guard, and then also Chris Livingston, who plays primarily the four, but, but I believe Cal's going to try and force him to play the three a little bit. Uh, but those two guys, I think, are going to be able to contribute 100%, but you still, you've got to get somebody in the post that's really, really dominant. And whether that be Shibwe, whether that be another guy that Kentucky's looking at, I'm not sure. I just know that one way or another, Kentucky's got to be able to find somebody to fill that spot. And I hope that it's Shibwe. But it's, if it's not, I'm confident the Wildcats can get somebody that can get close to they, they can get somebody that's close to producing what Shibway did last year, maybe not in, in terms of rebounds, but I'm confident there are some guys out there that the Wildcats could pick up that people would be happy with. Lance, one more question before we let you get out of here. We're just about a month away, or excuse me, a month out of, uh, I guess a month since, that's the word I was looking for, we're a month since Kentucky's round one loss in the NCAA tournament. How has um, how have Kentucky fans felt a month in now that it's been a month since they've lost that first round? Have they calmed down a little bit on the fire coach cow nonsense? Well, uh, I'll say this. If you want just a couple of hours of really, really good entertainment, you can go over to Rupp Rafters. It's a message board uh, over on Rivals. And the answer to that question is no. Uh, there, it seems to me that a lot of the fan base is still extremely negative uh, and it's been essentially a month since that loss. Uh, a lot of people are still very frustrated with the way the program is being run. And I don't necessarily think people are mad at the St. Peter's loss. I think they're mad about the future. I think they fear that Kentucky is not going to be as dominant as they have been in years past, at least from a consistency standpoint. And I can understand that. Like, that's, that's very, very valid. But these people out here, and there's, there are a lot of them right now, Jacob, still, that are calling for Coach Cal to be let go. I just don't think that that's fair yet. I want to see what he does for the next couple of years. And honestly, if you've got somebody locked into a lifetime contract, I don't believe the athletic department's going to go and say, you know what, let's fire this man worth $40 million plus. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. So some of the things that I've seen out of fans is a little irrational, but I understand the fear moving forward is like, will we be able to consistently recruit like we have? Is NIL going to be an issue? What do things look like when Texas and Oklahoma get uh, into the SEC in terms of money? I think there are a lot of different things that fans are saying right now that are reasonable, but there is a large crowd out there that's still calling for his job. And I'm not in that boat. I would much rather be optimistic about this season and say that everything's going to be just fine. Well, Lance, we appreciate your time. As always, fantastic insight on Kentucky football and basketball. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all of your good work. 
Yeah, absolutely. They can listen to the Locked On Kentucky podcast wherever uh, they get their podcast. Going to be having a lot of interesting off-season content or topic discussions about just like the projections for the basketball team and football team moving forward. And then also, I'm a writer over at Auburn Daily over on Sports Illustrated. That's auburndaily.com. Got a lot of Auburn content coming out as well, just discussing what the football team could potentially be doing. I'm sure y'all have talked a lot about the ESP and FPI. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Tigers being ranked in the top ten. Uh, we've got some articles over there discussing that a little bit as well. So, yeah, go check me out over at AuburnDaily.com and then, again, the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. Lance, we appreciate your time. I hope you have a great Easter weekend. I'll talk to you next week, man. Thank you so much, Jacob. That was Lance Dahl of Auburn Rivals and Locked On Kentucky. We appreciate his time, as always. Fantastic insight. He knows his stuff uh, when it comes to Kentucky. So let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up our number one. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here for the first hour. Christian is in the house with all two hours. Can you give us any updates on football recruiting real quick before we get out of here for hour number one? Yeah, no, I just think it was a... Uh... A very successful spring um, in terms of Auburn football recruiting. Um, you know, you ended it with a commitment from Terrence Love on Sunday. Um, he's, I mean, he is the highest rated commit that um, Auburn and Brian Harson have gotten so far. He was number 81 in the rivals rankings. Um, so that was a fantastic pickup for Auburn. Um, keeps building that momentum just a little bit more um, that Auburn is kind of needed in recruiting because they only had the one commit um, in Braden Joyner. So now they've got two pretty highly rated commits. Uh, building that momentum and building more momentum towards those Langston Hughes, Hughes guys. There's like four guys they like out of there um, with, you know, they already have Terrence Love. They like Joshua Horton, the defensive tackle. They like Jelani Thurman, the tight end, and they like Jonathan Bo Hewley, the offensive tackle who's committed to Georgia. And they also like the 2024 quarterback out of Langston Hughes as well. So there's a lot of guys they really like there. Terrence Love was the first domino to fall, um, and that could be big moving forward for Auburn football recruiting. Yeah, Auburn is um they're in a, a a unique spot because coming out of spring, so many guys beat up trying to figure out where they're going to go in the next couple of years, but at the same time, you know, I feel like recruits, I mean, not feel like they do. They hear the noise, right? They hear the noise around a program. They see how the fans are reacting within the program and see how they are feeling about the program. I think it is everything has definitely calmed down in the past what month or so now and I think I talked about that sometime this week um you know back at two months ago I mean it, it was it was bad it was dark it was really bad in this program recruiting was just non-existent pretty much and now I think it's everything's kind of slowed down a little bit I think fans have kind of calmed down I think the positivity may be going up a little bit and so I think that can help on the recruiting trail right I mean that that definitely has to help yeah I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here but it really feels like a well-oiled machine that's kind of operating really smoothly right now they got all the pieces in place they have a guy like a transfer portal guy they brought more people in on the off the field recruiting staff um, for evaluations um, uh, everything like that it really feels like they're operating a lot more as a team and working really well together now. Um, and I mean, I've even heard that in feedback um, back earlier in the spring, Keldrick Falk, who's a really highly, highly rated recruit um, in the state of Alabama defensive end. 
he said, hey, I wasn't even sure if I was going to come down um, for this visit just because I didn't know what it was going to be like because of that whole February drama. But he said that just the staff as a whole was really brought together really well, and he was very impressed with it. So, Well, that's good news. We can talk about this more in hour number two. But hour number one, officially in the books. Happy Friday. It's been a great show so far. It's going to be a great hour number two. Make sure you stick around on the line. Stay tuned. Get ready for a thoroughly captivating experience. Live on stage in American in Paris, the musical, based on the 1951 MGM classic with a score that is pure Gershwin and a story that is pure romance. It's an extravaganza of song and dance, an all-new production in American in Paris, the musical. Wednesday at April 27th at 7.30. For ticket information, visit EastAlabamaArts.org or call East Alabama Arts at 749-8105. Hey, I'm Caroline Bush from Bush Landscaping. My husband and I love University Ace Hardware because of its excellent product selection and customer service. We have been loyal customers for over five years. We keep coming back because of the wonderful and knowledgeable staff who treat us like family. They have a great inventory of steel products, household items, and barbecue equipment, just to name a few. They have the best parts department and shop around. University Ace Hardware, next to the movie theaters in Auburn. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. Get help managing your money for the life and years ahead. With Fidelity Income Planning, we'll look at what you've saved, what you'll need, and build a straightforward plan to generate income even when you're not working. A plan that gives you the chance to grow your savings and create cash flow that lasts. Plus, you can start, stop, or adjust your plan at any time without the unnecessary fees. Talk to us today so we can help you go from saving to living. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. Individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, U.S. Tax Shield can help you take back control. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Our team of tax attorneys can stop collections and get you protected. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the BBB, so call 800-494-6139. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-494-6139. There's nothing like hearing the songs you love on local radio with no subscriptions and no monthly fees. But there's a new bill in Congress that could stop the music. If passed, this bill would tax your local radio station simply to play the music you love. Text LOCAL to 52886 and ask Congress to support local radio stations. Help us keep you connected to the music, local news, weather, and traffic that you need each day. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Come in and get it out of your system, the car stereo shop. Whether it's a car, truck, SUV, boat, side-by-side, or four-wheeler, we have the right product in stock and for sale at internet pricing. With brands like Wet Sounds, Probox, Memphis, JBL, Pioneer, Sony, Rockford, and DS18. Why shop anywhere else? Shop locally, shop with confidence, shop at the Car Stereo Shop in Auburn. Come see us at 1914 Opelika Road or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. W294AR Auburn. WGCCHD3 Waverly. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. ESPN 106.7. A broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. You are on the line 
Live on ESPN, 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. Hour number two officially underway. My show producer Trevor not here today. Phone lines are still open, so please call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything you want to talk about on your mind in the sports world, uh, not only I want to hear from you, but Christian Clemente, who is in the house, he was with us for all of hour number one. He is with us for hour number two. Christian, just a beautiful day here in Auburn. I know we talked about it to open the show in the first hour, but it's a beautiful day here in Auburn. Man, it is incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, not really looking forward to the rain that we're going to get this weekend. Um, I really wish this weather, this really nice weather, would stick around a little bit longer, um, especially because back home it's like below zero. Oh, my um, gosh. So I definitely am enjoying this and rubbing it in a little bit. But, man, it is great. Yeah, I don't blame you for moving from Montana to come here, especially if it's still below zero in middle of April. That sounds <laughs> horrible. Like, I'm from the, I, I'm from Ohio, the, you know, the, the north, quotes, in, you know, north, midwest, and it gets cold, but it's not cold up there anymore. It's, it's decent, but golly, zero, that's brutal, man. Once, I always said growing up in Ohio, once it gets into the teens, that's when it gets cold. Like, I don't mind freezing. I don't mind below freezing. But once it hits the teens, that's when you start to feel it. That's when it starts to hurt. And then the negatives, that's just a whole other level. If you've never experienced that, please don't. It's terrible. <laughs> like, it is, it's so bad, man. Yeah, dude, it is tough. Real tough. <laughs> yeah, so, t- yeah, tough times out here. That's why we live in uh, Alabama. That's why we live down here. So, um, so hour number two, officially underway. And we'll start it like we always do with making headlines. I think one of the biggest headlines starting out, Auburn Gymnastics, they were in the final, or the the Elite Eight uh, yesterday in the second session over in Texas. They win their session. They are now in the final four of gymnastics. They have a legitimate chance to go and win the national championship. The first time ever for Auburn Gymnastics. Uh, Did you watch any of it? What's your opinion of that? Yeah, no, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I mean, Auburn's just been fantastic this season, setting records all around, um, just everything like that. Obviously, you have Suni Lee, but you also have, you got Darion, um, you got super senior Drew Watson, who... She stepped out on the floor and then brought it back with a huge vault uh, to really kind of help solidify getting the top two to advance. Um, you have Sophia as well. I mean, it's a really, really fun team to watch. And I mean, now they're moving on and who knows what can happen from there. And the great thing about it is every meet is different. Like it's a whole brand new day. And but yesterday they competed really well. And they I think they had a great score. Florida, they competed against them. They had a bad rotation and still came back and won technically. Um, just a fantastic program that Florida is. But this Auburn team has exceeded expectations. The gymnastics team, they've exceeded expectations. They are in the final four, nowhere near what people projected them to be. And now I mean, it's anybody's games. Tomorrow at noon central time on ABC. I mean, they're on 
national television at a primetime spot noon, like the perfect time on ABC. Uh, so if you're not busy tomorrow, tune in to that. It's really exciting. They A lot of times they throw up the quad box. They'll have all four events going on on the TV at one time. And this Auburn team, they're just gritty. They find a way to get it done. Uh, not necessarily winning every time, but they're doing what they have to do to advance into the, the tournament. And now they're in the Final Four. This is it. Just like in basketball, where everything kind of resets in the Final Four, I think it's the same thing in gymnastics. You've got four teams, the four best teams in the entire country, going at it. And Auburn... I mean, they do have a gold medalist on that team. If you haven't heard of Suni Lee, she is on that team. So, and I talked about it yesterday. Not just Suni Lee, but the rest of the team is so good. I said that this team would have a legitimate chance to be this far, even without her, because I think that's how good they are. And so Auburn Gymnastics moves on there in the national championship meet tomorrow at noon, Central Time on ABC, competing against Florida. Utah and Oklahoma is that correct I think those are the four teams that sounds right I think that's who that is so Auburn and Florida two SEC teams in it Uh, Oklahoma you know as good as they always are so Auburn definitely has their work cut out for them but they definitely have a chance to do it and how cool would that be to see Auburn win their first ever gymnastics team championship in in, um, in program history so that is part of making headlines Moving on to headline number two, Auburn baseball. They are in Starkville. They played game one last night, and it was a back-and-forth battle. It was on SEC Network. Uh, I was keeping up with it and watching it. And back-and-forth battle, I mean, they they literally just went back-and-forth, run-for-run. And then Auburn had a lead going into the ninth. Bottom of the ninth, they end up getting the bases loaded. And in the worst way possible, they walked in the winning run. And Auburn loses 6-5 to five, uh, in a complete game in nine innings at Mississippi State. They dropped game one on the road in Starkville. Still two games to go. They still have a chance to win this series. I think they showed great determination and grit last night, uh, did Auburn. Losing that way is pretty dramatic and pretty, uh, pretty harsh uh, on the road when you walk in the winning run. And so, you know, Auburn had their chances. They were up by r- one or two runs. A couple of times they gave up uh, two home runs, two solo shots late in that ball game, and the bullpen at the end of the day uh, sort of let them down. And this team, they can hit the ball. That's, I mean, there's no doubt about that. They can hit the ball, uh, but the pitching, then it was fine up until late when the bullpen just kind of, you know, you know, gave them a little. Game a little troubles and Auburn baseball falls apart and they fall to Mississippi State six to five in game one. Still two games to go, game tonight and game tomorrow. They can still win the series and I look for them to do so. Uh, Auburn baseball at Mississippi State and making headlines. Another one, Yoan Traore. We opened up the show in hour number one with this topic, uh, but we will talk about it here because it's still a major headline. He is already committed to Auburn for a week or two now, but he has officially signed his papers. He is coming to Auburn. Uh, Traore, the second highest recruit ever for Auburn basketball, is officially an Auburn Tiger, Christian. Yeah, I mean, huge pickup. Um, No matter where you play him at the four or the five next year, he'll probably start and he'll be a very talented player. Kind of does it all pretty well. Um, I I, I don't know if I'd say really well, but he does everything pretty well. Really well-rounded player defensively, offensively. I mean, just a fantastic pickup for Auburn. Fantastic pickup for the program as a whole, just to show 
you know, we lose two really, really talented guys to the draft. Um, and instead of kind of a rebuild year, it's a reload. Um, and we're going to compete for an SEC championship again next year. And Bruce Pearl is counting on that. And he's just totally re- reloading for next year. What do you think about Arkansas being one of the, I mean, one of the best teams coming into next season? You look at the way too early top 25 from ESPN, and Arkansas is the number one team in that ranking. I don't think I. I don't think I've ever seen Arkansas number one in basketball. I mean, that I can remember seeing in my entire life. And so, but it's not, I mean, it's not false. It's not wrong. They are extremely talented and a very good basketball team with one of the best coaches, not just in the SEC, but in the entire country right now in Eric Musselman. Yeah, I mean, they have an incredible recruiting class. I think it's number one, maybe number two. It's right up there with Duke, one of those two teams. Um, a guy like Nick Smith, the guy that Auburn is really interested in as a guard, um, Jordan Walsh as well. I mean, so not only do they bring in, you know, John Rothstein calls him the importer. Not only do they have guys coming in through the transfer portal, they have an incredibly talented freshman class that will be in as well. Um, I do think there could be some early bumps for that team next year because you are bringing in so many new pieces, um, especially if Jalen Williams sticks in the draft um, and opts not to return. Um, So there could be some early bumps in the season. But, I mean, it's a team – it's made the Elite Eight two years in a row now, right? I think so, yeah. So, I mean, it's a team that could certainly try and do that next year. I I, I would imagine they'll be the preseason favorite to win the SEC. Um, them and Kentucky will be up there. Auburn will be in the mix, I think, as well. Probably closer to like three or four. But still, I mean, that Arkansas team is going to be a lot of fun to watch next year, I think. Anything on your mind, phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world, we want to hear from you. Call in, uh, give us your thoughts, ask a, ask a question, get involved. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And to stick with the Arkansas topic, it's not just Arkansas basketball. There's a lot of hype. Well, there was until the ESPN FPI rankings came out. There's a lot of hype around the Arkansas football team as well. And if you look at the FPI, everybody was like, where's Arkansas? They were right outside the top 25. I think they may have been 26, 27, somewhere in there. But there's a lot of hype around this Arkansas football team as well, a team that Auburn has to play this season. Yeah, I mean, it's a really talented Arkansas team. Um, under Sam Pittman, they've just been getting better and better. Um and they've been progressing. Um, KJ Jefferson will be back there, correct? At quarterback? I believe so. Okay. I, I just had to make sure. I could um, be wrong, but I can. I believe so. I'm, I, I'm sure that's why the hype is so big, yeah. right? That would make sense. I can't imagine he'd be gone for any reason. Um, so, I mean, good Arkansas team that's just been getting better, recruiting pretty well. Um, Pittman has been a big reason for that. So, and that ESPN FPI was definitely, definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, let's talk about that because I talked about it yesterday. And um, it was definitely interesting. And uh, Auburn being number 10 was just, I don't, I'm speechless almost. You know, there's, I don't know what they see in Auburn, but it's not just, and I talked about this when it came out. I said, this isn't just five guys sitting in a room that decided this is what the rankings are going to be. These are based off of extreme analytics, 20,000 simulations. And this is what they came up with. Alabama was one. Georgia was three. Auburn, 10. Uh, I think LSU was the same score, but right at 11. Uh, A couple other SEC teams to round out the top 25. But I don't know what they were thinking, putting Auburn at number 10. 
and I talked about this too, not that Auburn can't can't be that good and can't be a top 25 team because I think they can be, but not right now. There's no shot that this team is a top 10 or even a top 25 team right now, in my opinion. Look, we just don't know enough about this year's team right now. We don't know... We don't know who the quarterback is. We don't know who they're going to go out and get through the transfer portal, especially at wide receiver um, and potentially at edge. I mean, you need you need some more guys at edge. Um, the, I mean, we don't know the defense at some spots as well. Linebacker would probably be the main one there. Um, running back, you still need to get a guy. So I, I don't know how you could put Auburn at number 10. Um, I mean, I'm sure Auburn is glad with that ranking or pretty happy with it, but I would probably have to disagree there oh I definitely disagree and and again I don't want to come off as talking bad about Auburn and talking against Auburn and that they can't they can't get there but just I mean this early with so many question marks on this team coming out of the offseason um I just way too high in my opinion let's head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Ed is on line one Ed welcome in Hey, guys. Uh, how y'all doing? We're doing great, Ed. How are you? I- I'm doing pretty good, man. It's a beautiful day. I want to wish everybody, all y'all, a-, a very happy Easter weekend, first off. And, well, happy Easter know, weekend to you, too, Ed. We appreciate that. Yeah, and Passover for my Jewish friends and Bruce Pearl, of course, one of them, and, you know, coming tonight. But uh, I wanted to take exception with a- just a couple of quick things, and I'm not going to get you know, it all upset, but, uh, on, on your guest, uh, Lance, uh, he, he acted like Auburn didn't come up to expectations last year. Auburn was picked preseason by everybody, including Lance. I'm sure it's being fifth, fourth or fifth in the West, right? Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. Like fourth or fifth in the West for football. Yeah. No, I'm talking about in basketball. Oh, in basketball. Yeah, well, I think they were picking Auburn like fifth in the SEC overall. Oh, okay, yeah. And where did we finish? Uh, we finished one in the regular season, Ed. Oh, okay. And, and so that's one against Lance. And second off, I, I know a lot of people that live in Kentucky that are big Kentucky. I know people that live in Birmingham that are big Kentucky fans. And it, it's that if this the sentence, Lance, that you should sit on this station and argue about flavor of, of Skittles and, and cereal? Uh, he may have. Um, he was here with Noah for a while uh, as a co-host. Um, I know they, no, they definitely no, had no, some no, conversations. No no, but. No, 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 this is a different Lance, then. No, this is a different Lance. But no, uh, but, but listen, if anybody, anybody is dumb enough to think that Kentucky people wish that Sheboy would get out of there. They are out of their freaking minds. I mean, that is the stupidest statement I've ever heard, that there are people. And he might be talking to people, Kentucky people, that are saying that. So I'm I'm not saying this to Lance. I'm saying this to whoever Lance is talking to. That is just silly. No, you look at you look at the NFL draft every year. You're gonna you're gonna give up uh, you're gonna give up first round draft picks, very high draft picks for a proven quarterback. You've got a proven player in Oscar Shoemaker. You don't just give him up 
you know, to, to get a maybe in the transfer portal for a high school kid, you don't do that. No, 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 Lance. Don't, don't, don't go down that path. All right, guys. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, Ed. We appreciate and, the call. And War Eagle. And War Eagle to you as well. That was Ed here on the line. You know, he was talking about if you were with us in hour number one, we had Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Rivals on at 2.30. And he was talking about, I asked him about the Oscar Shibway situation because there are some, I don't want to say reports, but there's some rumors that he is definitely considering coming back to Kentucky. Uh, Oscar Shibway, your player of the year, I mean, rebound leader. I mean, he won all the awards, right? And I asked Lance, I said, look, I know it's crazy, but would Kentucky be in a better or worse situation if Oscar Shibway came back? And Lance had the answer of, you could play it both ways, where if he leaves, you could try and go and replace him out of the transfer portal and, and you know, in that situation. And that's what Ed is referring to. Look, when you talk about Oscar Shibway going to the NBA, obviously that's not Kentucky's decision. That is Oscar Shibway. In my opinion, if you're projected in the first round, like Oscar Shibley is, he's late first round, maybe early second round, I think you got to go. Go get your money because Oscar Shibley coming back to school, he's not going to improve any. He's won all of the best awards you can win. He's playing the best basketball of his life right now. He can go to the NBA and get developed. And that's the big thing, too. He's not going to develop anymore at Kentucky. If anything, he's going to hurt his draft stock because I don't think it's going to improve a whole lot. Not against him. I'm just saying that's just where the NBA draft and how the teams look for players is. And so I agree with Ed. If you're Oscar Shibway, I think you got to go. But if, if what Lance was referring to was, you know, the two options. Do you stick with Oscar Shibway if he comes back? Obviously, if you would, if he did. Or if he leaves, you go and try to replace him out of the transfer portal. You may find somebody better in the portal. You might not. Odds would say you're probably not going to find somebody that makes that type of impact, but you may find a different player that works better because, look, Kentucky got bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Oscar Shibley obviously didn't make as big of an impact to carry them through the tournament because they lost round one, right? So I understand what Ed is saying, but I also understand what Lance was saying. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me, Oscar Shibley Go to the NBA, my friend. Go to the NBA. Get your money. and be. I mean, he can be a, a very, very good NBA player. I don't think he's going to be just over-the-top dominant in the NBA, but I don't know. Christian, what's your opinion on that before we head to break? Yeah, I mean, I just think he would need to develop something more in his game outside shot of some sort because he is undersized. I think he's like 6'9", 6'10", maybe. Um, and so playing him at center in the NBA would be pretty undersized. Um but, like you said, I don't think he's going to develop any more at Kentucky. He's not going to develop that. And if he is going to be a late first, even an early second-round pick, you might as well go, could, could potentially be a backup center or potentially just work your way in the G League a little bit before moving up to the NBA. But if I were him and I was in that spot, I would probably go. But I also understand the feeling of kind of unfinished business and you don't really want to go out on that sour note of losing to a 15 seed in the tournament. So. I could see why he would come, want to come back. I can see both sides, both sides. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, for me, when you're that young and you're that good at what you do and you are, 
you have the chance to go and fulfill a dream that millions of kids would like to do and millions of guys who have tried to make the NBA. If you have that opportunity and go and take care of yourself and your family with some money, I think you got to do it. That's just me. Everybody has their own motives. Everybody has their own ideas and what they want to do with their lives. And you got to respect it. So whatever he does, it's going to be good for him and it's going to be the best situation for him basketball wise and money wise I say you go but you never know you never know what's going to happen with with you know 19 to 22 year olds going to the NBA trying to sign millions of dollars in a contract so uh Ed we appreciate the call good to hear from you my friend let's take a break we'll come back uh we have a few more minutes before the 3 30 break so make sure you stick around you're listening to on the line Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Friday, April 15th, 2022. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 3.30 break here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente has... uh, blessed us with his presence for both hours he was with us all hour number one he is still in the studio here for hour number two uh we had a phone call ed he on the last segment so we appreciate him phone lines are still open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 anything on your mind in the sports world we want to hear from you call in give us your opinion ask us a question get involved we want to talk to you we want to hear from you right here on the line on espn 1067 and fox sports central alabama 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you've missed any of today's show just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded immediately following today's show so go find that wherever you get your podcast again it'll be uploaded as soon as we go off the air at four o'clock just a few more minutes about about five minutes or so before we head to the bottom of the hour break um we talked about recruiting a little bit but i wanted to ask you and i talked about this a little bit christian the I guess just the feeling of Auburn fans right now around the football program. Obviously, you've talked about the coaching staff really working well together. That has, what from what we can see, and especially what you can see being at the practices, being a part of the media and everything, you can see a difference so far in just a couple of months of work. But from the fan perspective and what you can hear and, and see from from Auburn fans, what's the I mean, what's the feel of of this Auburn football program right now and people listening in we want to hear from you how do you feel about the program right now the football program coming out of spring practice what's your opinion are you optimistic are you not feeling so good about it uh we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 but Christian I want to ask you that question man yeah so I think there's definitely a mix of optimism and also a little bit of pessimists as well um I think a lot of people I think people have come to an understanding that this year, this season is going to be interesting, but also a lot of people understand we don't know fully yet what this team looks like. I mean, I just wrote a story today of the eight summer enrollees that are going to be coming. There's a lot of talented freshmen that still have yet to get step foot on campus, along with guys that they can get through the transfer transfer portal as well. Um, So we don't really know what this year's team looks like. I think that's where you see some of the negatives from the fans as of right now. They're not overly thrilled for this upcoming season but in terms of optimism um, I mean I think the recruiting 
that they've done recently of getting kids on campus, getting a commitment from Terrence Love, and the momentum they're building there has, has built up a lot of hope um, for the fans and has got the fans excited in that sense for the future of this program that they've shown now that they can recruit at a high level um, and that they can compete with some of the big dogs because Terrence Love was highly coveted. Um, Miami was kind of the main other school to watch, but Alabama and Georgia were offering him and were interested in him as well. So they went out and won a big recruiting battle, um, and that kind of shows what this staff can do moving forward. Um, and they have some really highly rated recruits that they're still after right now. So I think that's where you see some of the optimism, um, and then you see some of the negatives um, in terms of looking at this season because a lot of people understand that this roster is a little depleted right now. But when I look at this season, and that's the thing too, is like all of the projections, and that's, I was talking about this when I was looking at the FPI that came out from ESPN with Auburn being number 10. And when you look at all the projections for the season, I mean, it's anywhere from five to seven wins. That's, that's really what, you know, people are projecting right now for Auburn and their win total. And you very well may get something like that. But I think Auburn. And I know we have just a couple more minutes in this segment, but I think Auburn can legitimately get to eight wins if they play well, if they get healthy with the guys they have on the roster, with the schedule that they have to start the season. And we can talk about this on the other side of the break as well. But let me ask you this question, and then we can talk about that in just a little bit. How has the mindset changed on this coaching staff on the recruiting trail? Because you, like you just talked about, it's picked up, and they've gotten some guys, they've won some recruiting battles, picked up a little momentum, got the ball rolling. But how has the the mindset changed from let's say two months ago in the in the in the idea of recruiting? I think it's just being completely more aggressive and more, I guess, aware in a sense that they need to recruit at a little bit of a higher level, um, and so they're doing that at a really good um, pace right now. Um, the spring eval period opened up today, I want to say. Um, so they're able to go out to high schools. Um, and the plan that I've heard is um, every high school in the area in the state of Alabama and Georgia, even if there's a kid they're not recruiting, even the 2023 or 2024, they plan to go visit that high school just to try and build relationships there. So I think they're just understanding recruiting at the SEC level on a little bit of a broader scale now. They're more aware. They understand it. They're learning and they're picking up on things and they're doing things a lot better because they have started to learn some of the ins and outs of SEC recruiting. That's fantastic because I know one of the big complaints that we were hearing, you know, back in February or, or even early March was, you know, not a lot of these high school coaches in the area or even in the state really even knew who Brian Harson was or knew who the coaches were because they hadn't made those visits yet. But what it sounds like is maybe they figured it out a little bit and you know they weren't none of these coaches were really around here a whole lot Uh, you know very little of them were here and it's a brand new ball game but it sounds like Auburn's figuring it out on the recruiting trail we'll talk more Auburn football when we come back you're listening to On the Line Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Happy Friday to everyone out there in the Auburn-Opelika area across the state of Alabama in Sylacauga and Birmingham and anywhere else across the U.S. that you're listening to our wonderful show. We do appreciate it. I say our 
because Christian Clemente is still in the house for the Friday edition of On the Line. He's been with me for the first hour and a half, and he will finish out the show. So, Christian, we appreciate your time always and your input uh, for the recruiting trail for football and basketball. As always, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you've been working your butt off here, so I'm always happy to come in and help out a little bit. No doubt. So we were talking about some football before we headed to the break. We've got 30 minutes left in the Friday edition of the show. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We're talking Auburn football, and I want to know what your mindset is, the fans, the listeners. How do you feel about this Auburn football team and this football program coming out of the spring? I know the team is beat up. Uh, I know the quarterback battle is still up in the air, quote-unquote. They may have their starter, but may have a competition going, or they may be a a full-on competition. Um, But how do you guys feel about the program as it stands right now? How do you feel about the coaching staff, everything about it, anything about it? Uh, I want to hear from you. I'm genuinely curious to see how the fan base feels right now coming out of spring practice for Auburn football. Give me a call, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And I know it's early, but I've talked about it already. And the schedule for Auburn, and we're going to talk about this as the summer goes on and into the fall as well, because more will develop, guys will get healthier, momentum will start to build a little bit, the quarterback battle may get dwindled down a little bit. And let's ask, let's start with that. Let's start with the quarterback battle. Obviously, the room has been dwindled from five to four with D. Davis transferring uh, during the spring, Calzada. He practiced, but he did not get any live reps. Um, in your opinion, as spring ball is wrapped up, what what's your opinion on the quarterback battle? Not necessarily a prediction if you don't have one, but just from what you have seen at practice, Christian, uh, what's it look like to you? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, each guy is kind of – I think TJ Finley has really stood out as a leader um, and really stepped up in that department, but I don't think he'll be the starter. Um, I think there's just too many issues um, – with his game and especially the lawn ball. Um, and he showed it a little bit during the A-Day game. I think he went like 11 of 19 or something like that. Not an outstanding performance. He had some good throws to start off. Um, and then as the game went on, he just didn't play quite as well. Um, Robbie Ashford was definitely the standout of the spring game um, and definitely caught some fans' eyes. I still think he might be the best quarterback in terms of giving Auburn a chance to win games because I'm not sold on this offensive line still, and he does bring that athleticism. You're talking about Ashford? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback, but in terms of winning games for Auburn, because of the athleticism that he brings, um, and with Auburn's offensive line struggles um, and wide receiver unknown kind of there, you're still missing some guys, which could come through the transfer portal, but you're, you're a little uncertain about your wide receivers. Because of Robbie Ashford's athleticism, I think he could be the best pick for Auburn. Do I think he will be the pick? Not necessarily. I think Zach Calzada is still probably the favorite, even after not being able to go live during the spring. Um, and we'll see him in fall camp. Um, I mean, he has a rocket arm. You could see it in the drills that he was able to participate in. Great arm. Um, a source close to the program described it as an NFL caliber arm. Um, and you can kind of see that at times. I think he might be the most complete quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback in the room. Just me personally, I think Robbie Ashford brings something that this team might need. Now, that's not the type of quarterback that Brian Harson and Eric Kesaw usually utilize. They like more of a pro-style quarterback, but 
I think Robbie's athleticism could definitely be very helpful for this team. So what is the difference in your mind for for Auburn if it's Robbie Ashford or Zach Calzada? You talk about Ashford's athleticism, whereas Calzada is more of your pro-style quarterback, stand in the pocket, deliver on time, on target, and downfield. Why is Ashford, you know, you can expand on the athleticism a little bit. You know, why do you believe he gives Auburn the better chance over Calzada's arm? Just because I don't. I'm not sold on this offensive line. I don't know if they're going to be able to give Zach Calzada the time that he needs to be able to use that arm in the pocket. And he doesn't have quite the same athleticism and the speed to be able to maneuver the pocket, roll out to the right, roll out to the left, kind of make a play and extend the play even as well. Um, But Robbie does have that speed. You saw it during the spring game. Um, He probably would have had even more rushing yards and even bigger plays if it were an actual game. You know, as soon as the quarterback gets touched, it's kind of whistled dead. But he had some big plays and you could see that. Um, even if he isn't the starter, he could definitely have some packages this year as well. Um, I could definitely see Auburn doing that um, and utilizing him. But just for me personally, until I see this offensive line pass blocking really well, I just feel like you need a mobile quarterback. I mean, that's kind of what Robbie is. I mean, it seems like every season over the past, what, five years, we've had the same conversation about what Auburn needs to fix to be successful, and it's the offensive line. I mean, um, it's it's so obvious of an answer and I don't understand it's hard to go get the best guys especially if you're Auburn because places like Alabama and Georgia just swipe them up and you know you can't compete with that on the offensive line right now because they go there they play for two or three four years and then they go in the pros and they make millions of dollars Auburn can't do that right now I think they can get to that point okay I think they can if they can get they just need one guy to develop and get good and maybe go to the league where guys can then see, okay, it's possible, and Auburn to get good, and guys actually want to play offensive line at Auburn. But it's a legitimate concern, and it is a legitimate reason to be worried because Auburn's offensive line is, it's as it is with almost every other offense, it is its bread and butter. You've got to have a good offensive line if you want to do anything else. You've got one of the best running backs in all of the SEC and Tank Bigsby, but it doesn't matter if the offensive line can't make a hole or if he gets hit in the backfield by a linebacker as soon as he gets as soon as he gets the handoff, as soon as he gets the ball. Same thing with the quarterbacks. If this offense and Brian Harson and the pro style that he has, if he wants to have a Zach Calzada type quarterback to stand in the pocket wait for a receiver to get open that's an issue as well and they got to catch the ball and the quarterback to have the time to throw a good pass the offensive line's got to give him the time to do so so that has got to get fixed do you see that improving at all I mean surely they're going to improve a little bit but what to what degree do you think you're going to see an improvement if any from the offensive line from last year to this year Look, I certainly think you could um, with pretty much everybody coming back outside of Broderius Ham um, and Tayshawn Manning, um, who ended up transferring. I, I certainly think you could. I think you'll see a guy starting game one, Killian Zaire, will be at left tackle. And I think he can really be a stud over there at left tackle. Um, he had a great spring, um, really stood out there. And then the spring was also an opportunity for younger guys to step up as well because Nick Brahms, um, Austin Troxel, uh, Brandon Council, all three of those guys were out. Um, just kind of maintenance injuries and trying to make sure that they're healthy there. So um, that gave an opportunity for young guys to step up. And now in fall camp, they have a chance to compete. But even if they don't compete, you do have those veteran guys who will be back. Some of these guys have now played together for three years um, starting. Um, And so you could look at a lineup of like a Jeremiah or not Jeremiah, right? 
but I do think he could be a really impactful player for Auburn at the future. Uh, Killian Zaire at left tackle. Left guard could be Brandon Council or Cameron Stutz, who had a good spring. Center would probably be Nick Brahms. Um, right guard, Keandre Jones. Um, and then right tackle would probably be Austin Troxel. So you have a lot of veteran guys there that have worked together for a couple years. Now they have two years, or they'll be going into their second year of Will Friend's system, learning his stuff, same offense for a second year in a row as well, uh, for the most part. And so I do think there's an opportunity there for them to improve. Now, will they? I really don't know. But, I mean, I think I think the opportunity is there. Year three together, right, for this offensive line, it's time. <laughs> like, it's time yeah. to be good. And if you're not, then just – I mean, just get rid of it and do it again. Reset and reset, restart, whatever you want to say. And because it's so important, especially for Auburn trying to get their offensive mojo back, because that has been the thing that has held them back, um, you know, over the years and the, you know, the years that have, they have not been good. And, you know, Auburn has a lot of talent, right? The wide receiver room is young. The running back room is really, really good. The quarterback room, there's some good guys in there, and I think you're going to see either Ashford or Calzada. I think that's what I think that's what you're looking at, in my opinion, as well. But for those guys to be good, again, the offensive line has got to do their job. They don't have to be great. They don't have to be just over-the-top outstanding. They've just got to be good enough and give the quarterback, whoever it is, and Tank or any of the other running backs, give them a chance. Let the receivers get open. Let them do their thing. Let Tank run the ball and run over somebody. And let Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford either throw the ball or run around with it and make a play. And so Auburn's offense is, is very interesting and tricky because what's going to be the game plan this year? What is Auburn going to do offensively? What is the mindset coming into this season? Is it going to be heavy run? Is it going to be heavy pass? A little bit of both? I don't think we really know. And I talked about this already on a, a previous show. If Auburn comes into this season and if Brian Harson's offensive game plan is to run the offense through Tank and run him 30 times a game, it's over. He will lose his job because he will have a losing season. He will be fired because if you can't have a if you don't have a quarterback that can throw the football, they're just going to stack the box with six or seven guys and it's going to be over. I mean, that's it. It's going to be over. Tank can't do it all. We've seen that. The running backs at Auburn have been good over the years, but they can't do it all. They cannot carry a team offensively by themselves. And Tank's going to end up getting hurt. He's going to be exhausted, not have anything to show for it. And so Auburn's got to have a game plan, and I think you've got to have the balance. And that's why, in my opinion, right now on April 15th, I think Zach Calzada gives you and gives Auburn their best chance because of his pro-style arm, because he can stand in there and throw on time, on target. If you if he has the arm like you're talking about, a pro-style arm where he can throw 50 yards downfield and put it on the numbers, that is fantastic. That will open up so many things for Auburn. But again, there's so many things that play into that. Does the offensive line give him the time? Do the receivers get open? Are the receivers athletic enough to make a play when they have to on the 50-50 ball? Do they just catch the ball, right? We saw that problem last year. There's a lot of factors that go into it, I understand. Can Auburn use their tight ends effectively? I think they're going to start doing that, especially if you're running a pro-style offense. When you say pro-style, look at the pros and what they do. They use their tight ends in timely situations. I think Auburn can do the same. Is that an area, in your opinion, where – 
the tight ends, because uh, I think it is, where Auburn can use their tight ends and bring their offense to the next level because I think tight ends are a timely thing. You don't want to go to them every time, but they're a, like when you need a catch, you need a tight end that you can go to for four or five yards or even in the end zone that you can go to and give it to your tight end. Does Auburn have the tight ends to do that right now? Absolutely. I think the tight end room is probably the biggest strength of this team in terms of the depth that it has along with the talent that it has as well. I mean, you've got John Samuel Shanker who's coming back after a record-setting season. Very talented guy. I mean, all reliable is his nickname. You can kind of always trust him. It felt like he was always open for a play last year. Um, got Luke Deal, who's a really aggressive blocker, but can also catch the ball as well. Um, Tyler Fromm, we've seen step up. You've got Brandon Frazier, who had a really good sprain um, after kind of falling down the depth chart a little bit. But he's a guy who's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's a huge jump ball guy. Could be a huge red zone threat uh, moving forward. And then you've also got Landon Kane playing that hybrid role between wide receiver and tight end. Um, he's an absolute matchup nightmare wherever he's at. And then you also have the big freshman in Micah Riley Ducker who can block very aggressively but can also go out and catch the ball as well. I mean, you have so much talent in that tight end room. Um, Auburn has to find a way to utilize it, and they will. We saw it last year. They utilized the tight ends a decent amount last year. I think you'll see it even more this year because Auburn knows that is a strength while the wide receiver room is probably – maybe a little bit of a weakness. So they're going to try and balance that out a little bit and make sure that the passing game is supplemented with enough tight ends. Think about how good this Auburn offense can be. And we're talking about Auburn football uh, here on the Friday edition of On the Line. If you have any opinions about it, uh, how do you feel about Auburn football right now coming out of spring? I want to hear from me. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Think about how how good this Auburn offense could be and be developed over the season if the offensive line does their job. If everybody, not, And I don't want to pick on the offensive line in particular. I kind of am, but I don't want to do that for the whole time. It's the whole offense. If the receivers step up, if the running backs continue to be dominant, also stay healthy, that's a big thing too. If Auburn can have the right quarterback under center, if you can have a legitimate quarterback who can stand in and throw on time and on target, if you can have the running backs who can do really, really good damage from Tank and whoever else comes in, because Auburn is stacked in running backs, I believe, if the offensive line can improve, and again, they don't have to be great. They just got to be good enough. Receivers can step up. The tight ends, like you just talked about, are, are, are really, really good. This offense can be good enough. And I think that Auburn has the potential to be good enough and to put this in broader terms for the entire season. I know we're four, four and a half months away from game one, but Auburn can be good this upcoming season. We're, I mean, the team's not going to be great, and it's going to be a tough battle down the stretch. But when you look at the beginning of the schedule, and I actually saw this in those FPI rankings that came out, Auburn has the number one strength of schedule. Did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Think about, this is how Auburn gets, this is Auburn's schedule every year, right? It comes down to this. Auburn plays one of the hardest schedules in all of college football every single season. This year, it's ranked number one in strength of schedule. They have the hardest schedule in college football. And yet, here we are, and we're saying, this schedule is actually pretty decent. This schedule could actually give Auburn some wins this year. That's how hard and how difficult it is year in and year out for this Auburn team. They have the hardest schedule in America, and we as Auburn fans are like, 
man, the schedule's not that bad. <laughs> like, that's how crazy it is. And I know it takes into consideration that Auburn plays at Georgia and at Alabama this year, but I mean, we're just kind of shaking those games off and just we're we're looking at the rest of the schedule. And in my opinion, it really does fare out well because the first five games are at home. Yeah, you have two tough opponents with Penn State and LSU. Missouri could be sneaky if you don't show up and play. If that's an 11 a.m. kick, that's anybody's game in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And then you go to Georgia. So when you look at those first five games, the season really does stack up for Auburn to do pretty well. They have A&M at home. They, right, is that right, or are they at A&M? Uh, A&M is at home. It is at home. I know they go to the Mississippi schools. You know, they go to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, they go to Georgia, to Bama. They should have they should have Texas A&M at home. So yeah, they have A&M at home and Arkansas. At home. Arkansas at home. That's the other one. And so those are two, those are good teams to have at home because those two teams are going to be improved this year. They're going to be really good. Auburn, look, there's a long way to go. I know we got to get to our last break. So I'm very optimistic. Just surprisingly, I know it is kind of crazy. I'm optimistic going into this season. A uh, lot of time left before the season comes. Fall, the summer and fall is going to be really exciting, and I just I hope Auburn and Brian Harson can survive. That's I mean that's what I got. I hope they can survive. Let's take a break. We'll come back for the last segment of the Friday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Friday edition of the show. Krishna Clemente still in the house. He has been with us for the entire show. It's been a fantastic show. If you missed any of it, search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded in about 10 or 15 minutes. Once I get off the air, I'll go and put it up, and you can find that wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line. It's been a fantastic show. Like I said, Christian Clemente has been here all two hours. We had Lance Dahl on at 2.30 of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Rivals. He talked about... uh, he talked about Kentucky football and basketball, and it's, it's just been a great show. Happy Friday. Uh, happy Easter weekend coming up to everybody. And um, no matter how you celebrate this, this holiday weekend, uh, enjoy it. I hope you get to spend it with family and friends and in and, and, and celebration. So fantastic weekend. It's supposed to rain, though, so that does kind of put a damper on everything. But it's a beautiful day, so hopefully you're enjoying the beautiful weather here in Auburn, Alabama. Christian, we've got about a minute and a half and I know we haven't talked about it a whole lot, or we haven't talked about it any today. Uh, the NBA playoffs, they get underway. The last play-in games are tonight, and round one of the NBA playoffs get underway tomorrow. Final take, who wins the games tonight? And, yeah, let's do that. Who wins the games tonight? Okay. Uh, I'm taking the Hawks to win tonight, although Jared Allen coming back um, concerns me a little bit for that pick. Uh, I did kind of a bracket style with some friends, um, and I picked the Hawks just because – um, I'm a Bucks fan, and I went to a couple Hawks Bucks games last year, and I saw the Hawks. I can I saw how deadly they can be, so I'm gonna roll with them. But I don't feel great about it. Um, initially, I picked the Clippers, but with the news today of Paul George missing the game uh, because of COVID reasons, probably would pick the Pelicans there. Mm. Um, I know you're a Clippers fan, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think the Clippers are good enough to still beat the Pelicans. Yeah. Come on, man. The Pelicans are 10 games under 500 they should not even be in this situation but here we are yeah Clippers it's going to be tough I think they have enough talent and grit to get it done they hit enough threes they're the best three-point shooting team in the league I think the Clippers can get it done against the Pelicans the winner of that game will go on and play 
God bless their souls. They will play the Phoenix Suns in round one. I've got the Hawks tonight in Cleveland. They will go and play the Miami Heat in round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs. That's going to do it for the Friday edition of On the Line. Christian, thanks so much for your time. Always enjoy talking to you. Check out the podcast On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Same time, same place on Monday. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.